back to Romans chapter 14. This is the second message which we're going to look at. The first, the last week, we looked at verses 1 through 6, and we had established uh, the idea. Now, we know beginning from chapter 12, it's all connected, how, you know, being Christians, understanding who we are, we're justified in Christ, we've been saved, uh, we are to live our life to the glory of God. Well, as Christians, as, as we breathe the air God has given us right now to be here, what's our charge as God's people well first to be devoted to God then we are devoted to the church and then we're devoted to one another and we're devoted to the authority which God has put into place that's around you whether it is to you as a citizen uh, whether it is you as a child to your parent whether it is you as a wife to your husband what, what however God is designed wherever you find yourself and if God has ordained there to be an authority that we serve and we are submissive to that authority for the Lord's sake. And so there's a lot of things in that are going to be coming out, and we're going to see this especially now, that we are to do for the Lord's sake. And chapter 14 deals with the weaker and the stronger brother. So what Paul had noticed about the church here in Rome is it, it's a mixture of Jews and Gentiles. You know, it's a mixture of those who have come out of the system of law and the Gentiles who were never under the system of law, but they were, um, had a law unto themselves that we see. Uh, but they are saved, and we're going to bring up Peter's statement before the, the Jerusalem council, and we're going to bring up some things that James had said and the Jerusalem Council as well. So, um, so Peter said, why put the Gentiles under this yoke of the law, which we ourselves couldn't even manage or carry? So Paul sees that, yeah, they're united in faith to Jesus Christ, but there's been some disputes between them on a horizontal level. They're, they're good on the vertical. They're good on glorifying God and and they're unified, and they have a like faith, a mutual faith, and a mutual love to God, but they, they, there's some things that they've been disagreeing on horizontally uh, with each other. So Paul addresses this, and he addresses it many times. And it, I think it's important to understand, when, when he's talking about meats offered to idols, or he's talking about those Jews who wanted to... Uh, make holy days, you know, the Feast of Tabernacles. There, there were different holidays throughout the year that they would consecrate as a Jew uh, because it was established in the Old Testament, and they kept those traditions and things. Well, there's a big difference between observing those things, thinking that it adds to salvation, versus observing those things because it thinks it adds to what is pleasing to God. So that's the difference. That, so the differences we'll see, and it's good as a Bible student to spot those. It's because then it, there won't be contradiction. There, at least in your mind, wait a minute, what's going on here? And at the Council of Jerusalem, James told them to abstain from meats offered to idols. But here Paul is saying that there is nothing unclean in of itself. So, uh, and Paul is saying that sin is not eating meat. So what's the how come there's a conflict? Is You perceive a conflict uh, because, again, we need to understand, well, was one situation talking about towards salvation or was one situation talking about just a personal holiness 
a, a personal conscience towards those things, uh, towards sanctification, towards living your, your life. Okay, so to define our terms in chapter 14, the word stronger, uh, actually the word stronger really didn't come up till chapter 15, but weaker is in verse 1, him that is weak in the faith, receive ye, not to doubtful disputations. But we saw that that weak in the faith, the faith, uh, it is not weak in faith. It is a brother who is not as mature, and what that means is they do not sense the same kind of liberty. Now imagine, a, a Jew is not going to sense the same kind of liberty that a Gentile would have especially if a Jew has just come out of the system of rules and regulations and works. It's in their family. It's been their behavior. Every day they follow the same schedule. And so they're going to have more of a sense of being under those, that schedule, under that rules and regulations, even knowing that yet salvation's in Christ and him alone. It's by grace through faith and Jesus alone. So and the resurrection. You must believe those things in order to be saved at all. So these uh, church members who are, you know, of course they're saved, uh, they would have this belief, but they still have their weak in the faith, the faith as a subject, as a thing, uh, as a noun, the definite article, the, uh, kind of uh, what James had said that we contend for the faith. So, the admonition in chapter 14, Paul is speaking to those primarily who are of the stronger. How does someone like a Gentile or someone who has a strong sense of liberty in Christ, they, they don't think that particular days are holy. They regard every day the same under Christ. Uh, they don't uh, uh, have an issue eating meats. Uh, that could have been offered the idols. Who knows what the origin of the meat was? They, they don't have the sense of restriction. So that's what they, he calls a stronger brother, is those who are just able to do things in the faith without a seared conscience. So how does someone who is stronger in the faith, how do we treat those who do not feel that same liberty, who, who does feel the restrictions? And you knowing full well that, you know, I'm not any lesser than, uh, than, you know, I'm not lesser because I don't observe to do the same thing. Um, how do you handle somebody who does that? And then Paul turns it around and he says, to the weaker, those who do feel that restriction, how do you handle the brother who's at liberty to do it and without a bad conscience. So at the end of the day, Paul's not talking about sinning. You know, no one has the right or the liberty to sin. There's no such thing. Uh, we do not have the right to sin. Now, if we sin, we confess our sins, and he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. We should never see sin as a light thing to God. Even though we have liberty, even though he, we've been saved by grace, and uh, Paul says, if you continue to follow logic that uh, where you sin the more, grace does much more abound. Some people will say, well, let's sin so grace can abound. Let's sin so we can glorify God. 
So that's the improper attitude. We are to not uh, approach sin as a trivial thing. So he's not talking about sin. We, none of us have, the stronger brother never has the liberty to sin. But the weaker brother may see them as sinning. So Paul's charge to the weaker brother, the one that does have restriction in their life, is not to judge your brother. And then the charge to the stronger brother who has the liberty not to despise those who are weaker, those who have to. Because it's interesting, um, right here, he says uh, in verse 2, For one believeth that he may eat all things, another who is weak eateth herbs. Let him, let not him that eateth despise him that eateth not. The person that has the maturity or the Gentile or doesn't have the baggage and can eat whatever they feel is they can eat and they don't have a bad conscience, they know they're being watched. Right? They know they're being watched by who? The weaker brother. And what is going on? I mean, you can, without even them saying it, you can see it in their eyes. What are the weaker brother doing? They're judging you. You can see it in their eyes. They're just staring at you. You ever do that? You ever go into the kitchen, there's nobody there, and I'm like, I'm going to make me a, a chocolate, peanut butter, marshmallow, sprinkle it with, with coconut, and then somebody walks in, and then you try to hide what, what you're making. Because you know they're going to judge you. You know, you, you know that they're going to judge you. Because, so what, what Paul is saying, hey, the person with all the liberty, and you enjoying your liberty, do not despise your weaker brother. Do not despise the fact that they sense something wrong with what you're doing. Um, it's easy to despise someone. What is it that uh, I have an issue with people who have an issue with me? You ever hear that? And that's, that's a very natural thing, a very natural thing. It's, um, you know, growing up. I, I got along with everybody, but if you, if, I, if you had an issue with me, I had an issue with you. But that's not the way that we are to live as Christians. That, that was sin. That was wrong of me to do that. I'm supposed to love despite what your issues are with me. And so that's the mature Christian mind. And so, uh, but the one who has the liberty is often going to be like, well, I don't like being watched, I don't, and I don't like being judged, so despise not them. And in verse 3, he switches, and, and let not him which eateth not judge him that eateth, for God hath received him. So if both people, you're in one group or the other, and in any situation, uh, you could be one. You know, you're not full-time strong, and you may not be full-time weak. You may be one or the other, depending on the situation. But if both were to obey verse 3, there wouldn't be disputations in verse 1. Do not receive them unto doubtful disputations. All right. So uh, that has been kind of a, an overview of verses 1 through 6. So, and again, Paul is not lenient towards the view that these things add to salvation. Restraining from meats or observing holy days or being circumcised observing the fast and the Sabbath and those things of that nature. 
He is not lenient towards the view that any of those add to salvation. That's not what he's teaching here. Uh, and actually, in Galatians, he calls it another gospel. If anybody comes and preaches anything other than what I've preached unto you, let them be an anthema. Let them be accursed. Uh, somebody is coming and preaching to you another gospel, and that another is another of a different kind. And he said, which is not another, which means another of the same kind. So somebody is preaching to you an alien gospel if they're adding anything to the grace of God and salvation, if they're adding your works. So again, we need to understand chapter 14, is not, he's not lenient towards those who are wanting to add any of their observances or rules or traditions to salvation, to the finished work of Jesus Christ. All right, verses 7 through 9 He's still dealing with this idea that he established that uh, in verse 6, look at this, he's, he that regardeth the day regardeth it unto the Lord, and he that regardeth not the day to the Lord he doth not regard it. He that eateth, eateth to the Lord, for he giveth God thanks, and he that eateth not to the Lord he eateth not, and giveth God thanks. Now, here's the idea in verse 6. It, it's right there. It's the obvious thing is, is no matter what you do, it's not sin. We've already, we've already established that. It's not sin. Whatever you're accustomed to doing, do it unto the Lord. It's not, you don't do things for the praise of men. You do it for the praise of God. Whatever you're doing is not for, to consume from, in the lust of your flesh. That's not the purpose. Whatever you're doing that you have liberty to do, you do it unto the Lord. And that's verse 6. God, you know, I'm going to bring this up later, but what is tithe? Tithe is not meant for God. Tithe is meant for you. What does tithe do? Tithe puts immediately into your mindset that what God has given to me, I'm going to honor him and give it back. That should be the pattern, that should be your mindset for everything God has given you. And if you think about that exhaustively, I mean, that's a sermon all by itself. That's a message all by itself. What has God blessed you with in your life? I could count all those blessings, count your many blessings, name them one by one. Did you ever return that blessing back to honor him? Or was it for you to consume on yourself. That's deep, isn't it? That, 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 that'll think about that. Think about your marriage. Was, was the, your marriage for yourself? It's a gift of God. Well, anytime God gives you a blessing, we do what we give back is we give back to be honoring to God. What God has given you, he wants you to return to him to his glory. That's what tithe is. Tithe trains you to do that. It teaches you to do that. So, um, when we get into that mindset, you know, uh, people have a bad habit of thinking that God gives us gifts to consume on our flesh. And what happens if you're just a consumption machine and you never return and give God thanks and you never return and see, God, how can I honor you with what you have given me in my life. 
if all you are is thinking this is just a consuming thing for me, well, pretty soon it's going to be about you. And then pretty soon, what are you going to do? You're going to envy what others are consuming that you don't have. You know, and the Lord, uh, he seared my heart this morning, and I, I, I asked him to forgive me of my sins. I've been wanting a Martin guitar for a long time, and that's, as far as guitar players go, the acoustic, good old boy guitar player, Martin is at the pinnacle. Uh, and um, you know what? The Lord showed me, you know what, Philip? You've not been happy with any guitar other than you, all you've done is had your eye on the pie in the sky for that Martin, and you've never been content. You've never been thankful for what I've given you. Lord, forgive me. Because what the Lord gives me, I'm to return to bring him glory, to bring him honor. And if the Lord wants me to do it with a guitar with one string, that's fine. You know, if the Lord wants me to do it with a guitar with a hole in it, and the, uh, that's fine. But, you know, and so what was I thinking about this guitar? I was like, you know what, I'd love to have this Martin guitar because it's for me. I can consume it for me. It's for my joy. It's for my benefit. It's everything's about me. You know, even in marriage counseling, I, I tell them, I was like, look, when, when you commit your vows, it's an unconditional vow. Husband, wife, when you give the vows to each other, I will love you and support you and through sickness, through health, through this, through that, you are saying I'm committing what I'm going to do. It, at the end of the vow is, and it doesn't say, as long as you do your part. Because the idea is if both of you are committed to each other in that way, then you won't have problems. The problem is, is there's sin in the world. The problem is, is there's those who, have, uh, those who lust. They envy the lust, and so they consume it on their own lust. They're they're, they are a consuming machine. They forget that the blessings of God are not for our 100% consumption just to satisfy us. It is to return it to the Lord. I know I've, I've kind of went a little bit ways on that, but that is going to help us as we see these next few verses. In verses 7, it is a continuance of this idea, but it's unto the Lord. Look at verse 6. Uh, we, we already read that, but it's unto the Lord. Verse 7 he says, for none of us liveth to himself, and no man dieth to himself. For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. Now, this is a beautiful thought, and it is connected with, uh, flip back to Romans chapter 1 with me. It's connected to this idea. Now, the wrong way to view this passage, the wrong way to see it is, oh, the Lord means is that we're not an island to ourselves. You've probably heard that interpretation before, but that's not what the, the truth that's being taught here. You know, we are not an island to ourselves. We do need other people in our lives to help us, to, to, to lead us, to guide us, to, you know, but that's not what that verse is saying when he says, none of us liveth to ourselves, none of us dieth to ourselves, for we are the Lord's. Here's the sense of what he's saying. Look at, 
uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 21. Because that, when they knew God, they glorified him not as God, neither were thankful, but became vain in their, in their imaginations, and their foolish heart was darkened. God designed man to glorify God and be thankful. Okay? When we are alive, who, who's the reason we're alive? God. That's a blessing from God. So what was God's design? That we should, be, we should bring glory to God and be thankful. And if back in chapter 14, that's what this verse 7 is about. For none of us liveth to himself. That's that whole thing. Is we, we, we tend to, we're tempted by the whole consumption machine. My body's a consumption machine. Everything in life's about my consumption. I just want to consume it, consume it for my edification, for my benefit, for my strength, for my happiness. And, uh, but we are not to live life that way. That's not why we were designed. God did not design us to live life to be a, a consuming machine only thinking of your own consumption. He designed it to live after him, to bring him glory. And that's what he says, verse 7, for none of us live it to himself and no man die to himself. So it's connected. The believer's goal is to please God in all things and be thankful. If you remember Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, you don't have to turn there. It says, I am crucified with Christ, nonetheless I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life which I now live, I live to the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. So we see that this life, we don't live to ourselves, nor do we die to ourselves. And that die to ourselves is also interesting. Uh, Paul brought out that death is indeed gain. For the believer. Paul said, for me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Why is it gain? Well, it ends our sorrow, it ends our turmoil, it ends our suffering, it ends pain, and it puts us into the presence of God. But dying to ourselves, what that also means, it's not for our glory. Death is not for our glory. Death is for the glory of Christ. For what is Jesus going to do? He's going to raise us up. So whether we live, whether we die, it is to God's glory. And that's what he's, in verse 8, he says, For whether we live, we live unto the Lord, and whether we die, we die unto the Lord. Whether we live, therefore, or die, we are the Lord's. Now, that's a beautiful uh, three words there. We, or four, <laughs> we are the Lord's. Now, if you dig into the grammar of the word lords there at the end of verse 8, that lords is the genitive case. What that means is ownership. So the thought is, is since believers are under the lordship of Christ, whether we live or die, we are to please and honor him whether we live or die. 1 Corinthians chapter 10 says... Where, uh, whether therefore ye eat or drink or whatsoever ye do, do all to the glory of God. And verse 9, For to this end Christ both died and rose and revived, that he might be Lord both of the dead and living. So what are we doing? 
he has gone from verses 4 through 6 talking about, you know what, whether you choose to eat, whether you have a conscience to eat or whether you have a conscience to not eat, do everything you're doing unto the Lord. And in verse 7 uh, through 10, he is introducing, not only do you do it unto the Lord, do it unto the Lord because he is Lord. He, he brings out the Lordship of Christ. This Lordship that we have in, in um, verse 9 for to this end, Christ both died and rose and revived that he might be Lord. Both of the dead and the living. Our obligation is to the Lord. Whether we live, whether we die, whether we eat, whether we don't eat. And so in verse 10, he introduces uh, the new subject, but we'll, we'll not go to verse 10 yet. But God's sovereignty over life and death will free us to continue our course of faith without being obsessed with death. God's sovereignty over life and death will free us when we trust his sovereignty and his will and his providence and that the Lord right now has me living to live after him. The Lord one day will have me dying to die unto him because he's Lord of both. He's Lord of both. The, and what qualifies him to be Lord of both? He says right here in verse 9, there's two things. He died, he rose, and he revived. His death, his burial, and his resurrection has qualified Jesus Christ to be the Lord, both of the, the living and the dead. He was victorious in life, and he conquered the grave. Um, Acts 2.26 says, Therefore let all the house of Israel know assuredly that God hath made the same Jesus whom ye have crucified, both Lord and Christ. I don't know if you're still in Romans chapter 1, but look over at Romans chapter 1, uh, verse 3. He says, Concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, and declared to be the Son of God with power. And I know many times I bring this up, but that word is not excusia. That's not authority. That's dunamis. That's power. That's earthquake-type power. So concerning his Son, Jesus Christ our Lord, which was made of the seed of David according to the flesh, verse 4, and declared to be the Son of God with power, according to the spirit of holiness by the resurrection from the dead. Oh, that resurrection from the dead is from God's power. And it's a power that it can only come from God. It's his dunamis. It's God's power. It's not by our power. So Jesus has been declared to be the Lord. We should see the lordship of Jesus Christ in our lives. So whether we eat, whether we don't eat, whether we observe this day or don't observe that day. And whatever we do, we do it unto the Lord, for look at the Lordship of Jesus Christ. He has the right to reign in all that you do. We do it unto the Lord. And so verse 10 through 12, now he's talking about this admonition that he had brought up in verse 3 and 4. 
You know, when he's, he's at uh, verse 3, he's charging to, to not despise the person that cannot eat. And those who cannot eat do not judge those who can. Verse 4, who art thou that judgest another man's servant? To his own master he standeth or falleth. Yea, he shall be holden up, for God is able to make him stand. Um, and in verse 5, he really talks about whatever you do, be fully persuaded in your mind. Because you need to do it by faith. You need to do it with a pure conscience of faith. Um, okay, so in verse 10, he says, But why dost thou judge thy brother? Or why dost thou set at not thy brother? For we shall all stand before the judgment seat of Christ. For it is written, As I live, saith the Lord, every knee shall bow to me, and every tongue shall confess to God. So then every one of us shall give an account of himself to God. Let us not therefore judge one another any more, but judge this rather, that no man put a stumbling block or an occasion to fall in his brother's way. So in verse 10, it comes down to having established that Christ is the Lord. And continuing in the verse 10, Christ is not just the Lord, but he's also the judge. God, uh, God has given him all judgment. God has given Christ all authority to judge. John 5, 22, For the Father judgeth no man, but hath committed all judgment unto the Son. Jesus will act as judge over believers and non-believers. He's the final judge. It's the judgment seat of Christ. That's what he says in um, verse 10, at the end of verse 10, all shall stand before the judgment seat of Christ. You have the great white throne, and you have the judgment seat of Christ. Christ is in both. Jesus is in both. The great white throne's at the end where he's judging the non-believers, and he's throwing people into to hell because they were not found in the Lamb's book of life. And then we have the judgment seat of Christ, which is for the rewards of uh, those of the just who have been raised. Um, and so he will get, we'll all have to give an account for all the things which we've done. So Jesus is the final judge. And if your brother stands or falls with God as their master, who art thou that judgest another man's servant? If God is their master, let the master judge the servant. Let's not the servant judge the servant. And so verse 10 and that's what he says. Every knee shall bow to me and every tongue shall confess to God. In, verse, in, in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says, We must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, that every one may receive the things done in his body according to that he hath done, whether it be good or bad. Now the next lesson starts in verse 13. Uh, when he says, therefore, let us not therefore. And we're going to look at that more in depth next week because what he does is he brings out understanding the admonition, understanding who we are in Christ. Stronger brother, do not put a reason in your weaker brother's way to stumble. Did you notice that Paul is coming from the perspective of a stronger brother? He's, his charge is to the stronger brother because Paul is a stronger brother. 
And it's interesting how Paul is a stronger brother, considering he was a Pharisee of the Pharisees. He had a strict diet. He observed all the things of the law, all the Sabbaths. I mean, he was the best of the best of the restrictions that came with Judaism. But yet he's coming, and he knows, and he's fully persuaded that there is nothing in meat itself. For what is the kingdom of God? It's not in, in meats, and it's not in drinks. Here's the overall goal. The overall goal is for the glory of God. You live your life to the glory of God. Everything you do is unto the Lord, whether you live, whether you die. All the blessings God has given you, you are to return to bring honor to God in your life. He's equipped you to bring him glory. And at the same time, we're thankful for the things God has given us in our lives. And if we all understand the main objective... We all get it. It's not about my needs. It's not about my liberty. It's not about my entitlements. It's not about my restrictions. Everything I do is about to bring glory to God in my life, the original way he designed me, and to be thankful. Then what we can do is we can say, how can I promote that? If that's my desire, how's that, how can I promote that? Well, Paul's going to uh, charge us. Those who understand that concept, try not to put something in your brother's way that's going to cause them to stumble. Look out for them. Edify them. However you can, make them their best. Make them their best. Because it's all about glory to God. They're not going to be bringing glory to God, fulfilling their design, if they're hung up or they're destroyed by your meats or they're just in constant conviction, or they're in a relapse, as the stronger as those who can handle the things which God gives you, and that's what we're going to look at next week, he says the kingdom is not meats and drinks. The kingdom of God is not about your entitlement to liberty. The kingdom of God is about bringing glory to God and loving each other. All right, let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for this study. Thank you, Lord, for your word. May we grow by your word. May your Holy Spirit just bring us the understanding and the conviction, not only to know these things, but to do them. Father, to seek to live our lives, to be pleasing to you and thankful. In Jesus' name, amen.